Hi everyone, my name is Kailani and I'm this podcast host. In today's episode, we are going to be focusing on this month's theme that is National Immunization Month. We're going to mention topics related to the COVID-19 vaccine, why you should get it, the facts, and also busting common myths. We already discussed our hot topics in the previous episode, so go check that out if you haven't already. But for now, I have with me... Alexa. Sophia. David. Okay, go. So, before we get started, National Immunization Awareness Month, otherwise known as NAIM, is an August campaign that aims to raise awareness on the importance of vaccinations to further immunization and to essentially reiterate why vaccines are so important. Specifically, we will be discussing the COVID-19 vaccination situation, which is definitely a point of some contention and discrepancy around the world, but... Would anyone like to start us off with why the COVID-19 vaccine is important? The uh, vaccine is important because of how it allows us to have a immune, allows us to be immune to um, the disease and ensures that we have a chance at survival. As to if we did not have the vaccine, especially among older persons who are more vulnerable and have weaker immune systems as well as respiratory systems and don't generally have as much energy stores within their body, um, are more they're more vulnerable to any form of bacterial viral infection which vaccines are designed to combat and just adding on to that this is just a quick misconception but i think a lot of people what a lot of people get confused about the vaccines is that it's like it automatically will make you immune to covid like like you have no chance of getting it but that that's obviously not true because it's just what the covid vaccine does is it lessens the chance significantly there's percentages i think pfizer is at like a 91.3 a J and J seventy seventy something. So while it it, do, it does lessen the risk ninety five sorry ninety five percent, it lessens the risk. I think what fuels the like an anti vaxxers standpoint is that, oh well like if you get the vaccine then you can still get COVID so what's the point? So that's just to throw that in there. It significantly lessens your chances of getting COVID, and studies have shown that those who receive the vaccine are less likely to be infected with COVID-19 than those who have already previously been infected and built up the antibodies. And even those who do get the virus typically have less severe symptoms compared to those who have not yet received the vaccine. To a point though, the um, vaccines also have to also have their own issues, especially when it comes to public information and the variants of vaccines that are out there. Because while most people generally accept a vaccine, there's also the idea of freedom of speech and freedom of religion, especially in countries like the U.S., where people are allowed to refuse vaccines under whatever circumstances they want. And while in some places, especially in places like New York, where the um, where there are vaccine mandates now, it's still a harder to get people vaccinated on with something like a COVID-19 vaccine because of how much disinformation there is and how interconnected everything is in this current year. Yeah, 100%. I think that's also something that makes it really hard for President Biden to like, because you can't just like mandate it and make it like mandatory for every single American because that kind of defeats the purpose. Like, where's my freedom? Why are you forcing this? Because, you know, there's so many misinformations, misconceptions, just many misunderstandings. It's really hard to know what to believe. And it's like, it's honestly like, I wouldn't say like, you know, there's some people that are anti-vaxxers, but you know, they're surrounding themselves with people that are also believing the same thing. So it's kind of hard for them to also see the other perspective. So we can't be so quick to, you know, blame them. But at the same time, you know, what's the approach and how to 
convince them if they've been surrounded by people or grown up with people that are so anti-vax. Yeah, it's really difficult because people are stuck in echo chambers where their own political views are being radicalized and echoed by their own peers and by the media surrounding them. And um, another thing that I think is important to mention was earlier this year when the vaccine was finally approved by the FDA, those who are working in healthcare, including doctors and nurses, were mandated to get the vaccine, which would otherwise cost them their jobs. And was re- what was really startling to me was that a massive percentage of them chose not to receive the vaccine and chose to lose their jobs. And I feel that that just shows the strength of their views because if they're unemployed during COVID-19, the economic downturn will definitely have severe impacts on their families and their welfare. However, just due to their distrust in the government and the the FDA, the WHO, um, that has just caused them to choose not to receive the safety and security and immunization that comes with a vaccine. Now, I guess to provide an alternate perspective here, according to a newsletter um, from the New York Times uh, called Debatable, there's an article on Vox that explains that the, uh, the unvaccinated aren't all a homogenous group. Right. So yes, anti-vaxxers are part of that, but there are also other, f- like there are four fault lines on which they break along. So it's political party, age, race, and class. For example, unvaccinated Republicans are more likely to say they don't want or need the vaccine or don't trust the government. Unvaccinated Democrats, on the other hand, cite an aversion to shots because of missing work. And, and as for race, unvaccinated Hispanic people fear of immigration authorities because, because you know, getting vaccinated means you provide IDs and is a direct interaction with the authorities that are the same people who've been cracking down on these Hispanic communities. So, yeah, while, while anti-vaxxers are a unique problem to the vaccination drives everywhere, um, other things such as race, political um, stance, and class are still very important in the discussion on how to get people vaccinated. Especially in USA, where the freedom is their, their ideology is the freedom, and they're having the right to choose what they want, and uh, in the in the program to uh, against the COVID, it's not uh, the government not demanding to people to get the vaccine, otherwise it has people that have uh, been infected, and they're sure that they're really alright after the infections as an experience that they have the social anxiety i mean that uh, they're not believing of the uh, existence of the covid as a disease they're tracking the covid as a tra- they're saying the covid as an opportunity to control and just don't want to be in the same place as the people that have vaccinated in some of the cases i'm not saying that that's uh, all the myths that the first time that the vaccine has come and they're saying Oh, that will be a digital chip in there and you will control it like this. No, just um, the process of the vaccine to the creation is taking five years for without the side effects. Yeah, definitely. We There really is no way to know the long-term effects of this vaccine, especially since it's only been out for not even a year. So a possible fuel for an anti-vax movement, anti-vax individual, is that we don't know the long-term effects. What if they're worse than the current COVID effects, which I can guarantee you, you're going to rather 
want to wait out for those long-term effects rather than to be on a ventilator, fighting for your life, not being able to breathe by yourself, having air pumped into your lungs in a hospital bed. So regardless, it's kind of a, a tricky situation to tackle. There's not really one way you can just force somebody to get vaccinated against their own will. What's also sort of important to realize about vaccines in developed developed countries versus developing countries is that you also have to take into account who has access to them versus who thinks they need them. Because especially in countries like India and um, Pakistan, where there's this separated wealthy elite who can who've been known to think refuse um what they call um something like Western medical propaganda, and then you see them doing these other treatments with poor people who um chose to take the vaccine instead creates a sort of issue that you have to look at in a different direction, and I think that especially with the United States now moving with moving forward with like a gradually more and more of the population being vaccinated at a very slow rate that sort of causes more and more people to be a bit more wary of getting the vaccine. But eventually it gets to a point where people start to say is enough is enough. And I think that's what's also happening in other countries too, in Europe, especially after the flu, after a uh, flu vaccine scandal, it took, Part and it took place, I think it was New York, where people sued on religious grounds about being forced to use vaccines or not on their children. And that sort of spiraled into causing a New York public school system to have the highest vaccination rate in the country. As to developing countries where they don't necessarily have the ability to vaccinate, but they would probably have an even higher vaccination rate if they could. Yeah, I think just to finish up this point and just to consolidate everything, we should probably go into just some fact-checking on the efficacy of the vaccine in order to consolidate some information with our, with our listeners. So the first point is that COVID vaccines are definitely safe as they have been in development using science that has been around for decades and are not experimental. They went through all of the required stages of clinical trials and although the vaccine was developed in record time. It is because of the time and money that was invested in it compared to the amount of um, capital and time that was invested into previous vaccines that were developed at much more um, trepid paces. Again, they went through all the required stages of clinical trials and extensive testing and monitoring have shown that these vaccines are safe and effective. Although we're still unsure of how long the protection lasts for those who've been vaccinated, we do know that it helps to protect you from those around you from getting seriously ill. And if you are a healthy person that has access to vaccines, we would highly recommend you receive them as it is effective for the sake of those who are unable to receive the vaccine. And finally, none of the COVID-19 vaccines will infect you with the virus as none of them contain the live virus. Rather, they contain a version of the virus that um, creates immunity and um, a buildup against the real virus to protect you from getting the real thing. Just kind of adding on to Alexa and the current COVID conversation, I think another aspect that we need to understand the idea or concept of herd immunity, otherwise known as community immunity, 
this occurs when a large proportion of the population is immune to the disease, preferably through the vaccination process, but this can also occur due to prior illnesses and everybody getting that illness. Herd immunity makes the spread of the disease from person to person very unlikely, even providing protection to unvaccinated individuals. Now, this does not mean everybody can just be unvaccinated and you'll be immediately protected. No, that does not make sense. You have to have a majority that are vaccinated, so the minority of unvaccinated individuals are protected to a certain extent. Now, I would definitely not encourage to not be unvaccinated and just to trust the concept of herd immunity. It's definitely safer to become vaccinated, and so you are part of the majority that can help protect one another from the disease. Next, let's talk about the different types of vaccines. Um, I believe the research and data we have pertains mostly to the United States, but we can also discuss how this differs here in the Philippines. So the three types of vaccines authorized by the FDA in the United States are the Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson & Johnson. I believe here in the Philippines, we also have the Sinovac. I believe we also have Sputnik and AstraZeneca, although um, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong. So the Pfizer and Moderna require a double shot, while the Johnson & Johnson requires a single shot. And the Pfizer and Moderna have been said to be the most effective. I believe Sputnik is also um, up there, although we don't necessarily have the direct data comparison because there is such a deviation in the vaccine, um, the vaccine authorization in the United States compared to the rest of the world. So the AstraZeneca, which has an efficacy rate of around 60%, was ditched by the EU after worries emerged over rare cases of blood clots and studies showing lower efficacy compared to vaccines such as the Pfizer or Moderna. And Russians officials called it the monkey vaccine, although the EU officials have labeled this as an attempt to market their very own Sputnik vaccine. With that being said, I think we can move on to the vaccine side effects. So for pretty much all of the vaccines, including Pfizer, Moderna, Johnson & Johnson, AstraZeneca, etc., there's kind of a main trend line with the vaccine side effects. So you have headaches, fatigue, chills, inflammation, itchiness, fever, headache, etc., These usually last between one and two days after the initial shot, but with rest and hydration, it's definitely said to lessen the side effects. And while these side effects may be a little annoying, they are definitely better than getting the actual COVID side effects and having to deal with that for two weeks rather than one to two days. So for the... um Miss, there's a lot of uh, misinformation going around about vaccines and the uh, Pfizer and AstraZeneca vaccines about if they're good or bad and things like that. So one myth is that since it's a um, since a vaccine has been developed for COVID, that it um, does, that it can also be developed for HIV, which is a myth because these are different diseases and you have to take into account mutations and gene codes, as well as how um, viruses work, how things like HIV can hide while COVID-19 works overtly differently. Um, another myth is that co- that the um, COVID-19 vaccines contain controversial substances. Um, this is pretty common with um, most myths about vaccines. Some people talk about large doses of mercury and flu shots and sorts all sorts of um random things that they wouldn't think would be in vaccines that people think are controversial but they're usually not in there and if 
they're in there, it's not really a controversial substance. There's another myth that says that vaccine side effects are dangerous. Most side effects of these are mild and short-term, lasting only a short period of time. There are talk about allergies, though, which occur every once in a while, but even then, these are non, usually non-lethal. Getting vaccinated COVID, against COVID means masks, and COVID precautions don't need to be paid attention to. This is not entirely true, as you still need to be aware of the fact that you can still get the sickness even if you are vaccinated. Due to the high recovery rate among young people, some they some of them believe that the uh, vaccines are unnecessary for them. This is also a myth because the um, virus still, we, nobody really knows what the virus does to you yet outside of basic information. And so over time, it's much safer to get the vaccine because then, they, then you actually know what you're getting as to just having a young and strong immune system, which could get wiped out by a virus that we know frighteningly little about. So, with all of those myths you just stated, among many other myths, I think it's very important that we address these concerns. And so how can we do that? Well, we could do that through government websites, we could do that through help centers. National COVID vaccine helplines should openly educate people about the vaccines while acknowledging different beliefs. There could also be informal methods of educating the public, such as counseling different groups of individuals or just simply emphasizing the importance of getting vaccinated over social media with providing facts and statistics since a lot of misconceptions can come from social media. So I think it's very important to be wary of your presence on social media and what you follow and what you believe. So just make sure to fact check and to make sure it's coming from a credible website. On that note, then yes, on taking into account different perspectives, Technically, anti-vaxxers do have some substance to their claims. The claim that vaccines like cause autism or other um, or other diseases. However, there is a logical fallacy in this called the survivorship bias. Essentially, the survivorship bias is that given a change, it seems that the general trend is that there's an increase in um, accidents or deaths or essentially. Um, a negative outcome. The bias here is that um, vaccines cause autism, yes, but the reason that they cause autism or other related diseases is because of the fact that technology is a allo- technology in healthcare is allowing people to live longer and not di- and not die as a result of diseases that now have a vaccine. Kind of like as technology as healthcare technology improves, more people get cancer. Are people now more likely to get cancer? No. It just means that other diseases, which would have killed them earlier, now are de- being dealt with and treated more effectively. Hence, the number, of, hence the increase in the number of people, making it to uh, living to an age where cancer is very likely. So, uh, I um I agree on your point there, Kalani, that we are to, um, that we should try to educate people, um, on as many channels of communication as possible. But I also think that a general, um, kind of rebuttal. Um, stance on COVID vaccine on, on COVID vaccine hesitancy should be employed because even if we say to an anti-vaxxer no you're wrong that's not the case how likely is that to um to actually influence their decisions right especially given the eco chambers that we all je- we all live in with our political values and um points of view it's unlikely that someone opposing us is gonna get the traction of huh maybe they are right. So, 
I guess the an increased public awareness of multiple sides and the acceptance that one one can be wrong is also essential. In this case, for the COVID vaccine, but in any issue uh, as a whole. Uh, account the fact that about uh, side effects, and for example, the uh, people are getting allergies or the vaccine in some of the cases affected on theirs. Uh, and there's a problem, health problems. It's not the problem of the vaccine. It's just the immune system of their of these people. The same thing, cause uh, the same thing works with the COVID effects only that part of the body or the immune system or the travel process of the health and uh, reducing the immune system. So I guess to do it. Yeah, and some of the cases I have heard that people who had the sides like illnesses they have written in the, the in the cases of the, the of the COVID case of the COVID death cases when they have the they actually have uh, died uh, died of cancer in the pandemic times. That have written in the statistic of the COVID. Okay, thank you, Sophia, for that. Uh, David, I believe you wanted to say something about vaccine mandates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think that while people might be looking into vaccine mandates, it is both. There are reasons as to why it is both feasible and unfeasible. For one, vaccine mandates are nothing new. Um, there have been vaccine, if, if I'm not mistaken, there have been vaccine mandates to combat chickenpox and polio, and just in general, there are other um, mandates today that we all have to follow. For example, um, even if you are willing to take the risk of being unvaccinated, the risk you pose to other people who cannot be unvaccinated, just like immunocompromised um, pop, uh, communities. Is should still be taken into account as a metaphor, uh, sorry as uh, sorry as an analogy, um not because not because you are willing to take the risk of being a drunk driver and crashing and dying does it mean that the pedestrians you might hit or the people you might get killed in the car are taking the same risk as well, and so we have mandates like you know you're not supposed to drink and drive you're not supposed to text text and drive, you're also supposed to follow lockdown um, procedures and wear a mask etc. It's the mandate is just one of multiple mandates that we already follow, in an effort to beat the COVID, uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. However, at the same time, uh, studies have shown that trying to mandate, um, vaccinations is a very hard stance to take, especially politically, um, given that states have uh, in in the U S states have, um, banned vaccine mandates. And in general, mandating something to be injected into someone is also a very hard um, thing to argue, given that everyone has bodily autonomy um, by default. Uh, So instead, um, articles are saying that um, vaccine incentives are the most effective way to go, i.e. giving um, people who are vaccinated certain benefits that people who aren't vaccinated don't have maybe a specific uh, specific queue or options that they can choose that unvaccinated people do not have for example um some colleges in the u.s have been starting to adopt a policy wherein as long as you are vaccinated you are allowed back into the dormitories which is a great benefit to those who would have to stay 
um, outside of who would have to live outside of school or cannot go to school at all because of, they are unvaccinated. So these measures are likely the most effective way of moving forward on how people, on how governments and agencies can convince the unvaccinated. Yeah, just adding on to David, I have another example of a company attempting to encourage its workers to get vaccinated. So Delta Airlines, what a coincidence of a name. Anyway, Delta Airlines has been raising their health insurance premiums for those who have been fully vaccinated and can prove that they have been fully vaccinated whilst setting the unvaccinated employees an extra $200 of charge per month. So that just goes to show that they're inevitably putting consequences on those who are unvaccinated to encourage them to get vaccinated so they can have all the benefits. Okay, I think with that, we can move on to the COVAX scheme, which was Biden's distribution of vaccines from G7 economies to developing nations. So basically, COVAX was a scheme that was helpful in providing vaccine aid to LEDCs, which means less economically developed countries. But it has been criticized for its slowness and ineffectiveness as the vaccination goal is too low and developing nations which the COVAX scheme targets are still in crisis. I think that one of the bigger issues revolving around the COVAX idea and all that is that the um, less economic de- and economically developed countries are also have a harder time knowing who and who isn't infected as well and when you put that together with vaccines coming from a lot of countries who they at some point probably had very negative relationships with especially considering the g7 countries and their individual histories there's probably also a deal of mistrust that goes around too so while the um covax while it's a good idea and it has had some success there's also issues about it and it's sort of like a hot potato and a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation where if you give them the vaccine or you don't give them the vaccine, either way, there's going to be an issue on one end of the line. Going all the way back to February, President Biden announced a $4 billion in funds for the COVAX, which was a multilateral drive backed by the WHO to pay for vaccines in developing countries. See, well, the problem was these donations were kind of meaningless because there weren't really any vaccines to buy in the first place. The world's wealthiest nations have locked up so much of the near-term supply that the manufacturing capability of the vaccine firms will be locked up for months and months to fulfill these orders and the demand. Wealthy nations have hundreds of millions of vaccines to spare, while the smaller nations uh, that only need a fraction of what the bigger nations need are still unable to get their hands on them. Instead, the U.S. could fund and support temporary licenses for the vaccine to be manufactured in more places around the world. It could boost the supply of vaccines while helping other countries acquire the technology and skills to build their own vaccine sectors. These schemes only will leave developing countries to continuously depend on the bigger countries like the G7. A shorter-term fix would be for the richer nations to donate the shots they've already stockpiled. I think with that, we can move on to the U.S. recent distribution of vaccine boosters. And there has been a major opposition to this movement saying that it should wait. And I would probably agree with this notion because developing nations such as the Philippines are struggling to even get the initial doses of the vaccine. So it's just very um, jarring and um, inequitable that 
countries such as the U.S. that have um, so much privilege are prioritizing vaccine boosters when the majority of the world can't get access to the initial vaccine. So while the booster shots may be needed for the elderly, if you take a step back and look at the overall viewpoint, they are pretty unnecessary as the harms of an unvaccinated citizen outweigh the benefits of having a small proportion of the population with boosters. So I would say it's kind of a balancing. And as of right now, I think our priority is to get the vaccine to less developed countries instead of thinking uh, into the future that only applies to a certain wealthy country. Along with that, the vaccine's effectiveness has actually dropped in recent weeks. The decline in effectiveness against the infection may be the result of a waning vaccine immunity, a lapse in precautions like wearing masks, social distancing, or even a rise in the highly contagious Delta variant, experts said, or even a combination of all three. And so this is just a friendly reminder that if you are vaccinated, that does not mean you are fully immune. It significantly decreases your chances at getting COVID, but that does not mean you are completely immune. So despite being vaccinated, experts do recommend that you still wear a mask and take the same precautions as you would if you were not vaccinated. Yeah, I definitely agree because I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the States to visit some family and Basically, how it was in New York was if you received the vaccine and you were two weeks in after your final dose, you were no longer mandated to wear a mask. And I don't know, it was just so shocking and surprising to compare the situation there where people were operating freely as if there was no virus compared to the situation here in the Philippines where we're locked down where the fortunate ones are the ones who are able to be in the sanctity of their homes and the safety of lockdown, while the majority of the nation was just in anarchy and the virus cases have been spiking more and more. And I really hope that this um, discrepancy evens out. And it's just really concerning because I feel like those in the most developed regions of the world are oblivious to what is going on in third world countries and i really hope that we can spread awareness to those who are fortunate enough to be able to um, exist and live freely during a pandemic that rages in areas that they're um, ambivalent about i guess the the struggle mainly is that as the common filipino generally powerless um, especially given the uh, lack of economic freedom because of the lockdowns. Um, it's very unlikely that these people will have the means to stand up for themselves, be able to get the vaccine, right? We already have accounts of people trying, hence the long wait lines and and the hundreds of people who go to vaccination centers whenever they're open to try and get a vaccine. Unfortunately, it seems to be a very government-sided initiative, which is a little frustrating, especially given how other governments in similar um, situations are able to cope with the pandemic faster or, uh, or, or in a more effective manner. As much as I hate to say it, I kind of just have to put my faith in their government. To finally wrap up this month's podcast, we're going to go around in a circle telling you guys our biggest takeaways from our research, our discussions. And so we definitely encourage you guys to do the same at home. You don't have to really tell anybody, just kind of make it a mental note for yourself. I guess um, keep up with lockdown restrictions and, um, you know, wear masks, social distancing, the usual. Um, 
there's not much I think that we can do from our perspective as students. Uh, but and yes, lockdown is annoying and tiring and demoralizing. But given the situation that we have currently, um, this is about as much as we can do. Yes, and although there is not a lot of direct action we can take given the circumstances of the lockdown, one thing we can do to contribute to our society is to continue to learn about the situation, about global issues and also local issues, and to continue to educate ourselves about various viewpoints and having conversations like the one we just had today, I feel was very enlightening for me and I was able to um, broaden my perspective and capture various viewpoints um and confront uh certain biases so um i would encourage our viewers to continue to do the same um even if you believe you've already been educated you can still do more there you can still dig deeper on um a deeper level and hopefully this if we all do the same we can combat this pandemic together i'll just send you the other perspective uh, perspectives and uh, explore together is really important because you can depend on only your uh, one side of the argument or the view that you had uh, so it's really important to explore about everything that interests and in case of the this pandemic too I think it's important to um make sure you know what you're looking at and you're not in that not in um echo rooms going around and make sure you like know what you're hearing and I think that's probably the most important thing you can do in the short term is just know what's going on and not just pull something off the internet randomly and like have an informed decision about what's going on in the world rather than just a bunch of whatever Jim from Idaho on Facebook says. Everybody pretty much summed up what I was gonna say. But again, I just wanted to say that if you are vaccinated, please, please, please still wear a mask just because you are vaccinated. I don't care how many times I'm going to say this, but just because you are vaccinated does not mean you are fully immune. You are still prone to getting the virus, just very less likely. So in order to make that or to to minimize that chance of getting the virus, please wear your mask, social distance and stay inside if you can. Thank you guys so much for listening to this month's episode of the podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to ask me, literally anybody on this podcast, but you can also DM us on our Instagram at ISM World Club. And so yeah, that's all for me. And just again, I'd like to thank everybody for listening. So we will see you next time. Bye-bye.